0: Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. On October 2nd, 2006, 10 young girls were taken hostage in an Amish schoolhouse in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. All 10 were shot. Five were killed, and the gunman took his own life. It was a horrific moment, and it shook us to the core. But as you may recall, the story shifted pretty quickly, and what many of us remember was the response of the Amish community, how quick they were to express forgiveness toward the killer. They even took up a collection for the killer's widow and her three young children, In fact, I still recall a powerful article about several Amish families who had buried their own daughters only the day before in attendance at the killer's funeral, hugging the widow and other members of the killer's family. And so here is the question I would like us to consider. How, in the face of unspeakable tragedy, where did the Amish community get the heart to respond with such forgiveness, love, and compassion. If you follow my Calm Words for Anxious Hearts podcast, a question I raised in the episode released on Friday was, how is it that our heart comes to change so that it more resembles the heart of Jesus? A heart that forgives, that loves, and that absorbs pain, rather than returning it? Or how does one become more like Stephen, who as the rocks pummel his body still managed to pray, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. You see, we live in a world where people hurt us and where we hurt people. And so how do we forgive? How do we love? How do we take the stones thrown at us rather than mindlessly just throwing them back. And here's how I think the author of John's gospel would answer that question. We have to know the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the life, I am the truth. To live our life with Jesus' heart, which again is a heart that forgives and that loves and that absorbs pain rather than passing that pain on to other people. It is imperative that we be intimately acquainted with the truth. Now, you may be a little suspicious of people who claim to have the truth. I know that I am, and I always have been. And of course, the consensus of our culture is that we should all be free to figure out for ourselves what is true. As the U.S. Supreme Court declared back in 19. 92, the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence. In other words, choose for yourself what is true or the reason you exist and you will be free. It's that simple. Freedom, we think, is about choosing our own truth. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to meander just a little bit because it's worth mentioning two philosophers in particular that were very influential in shaping our culture's view of truth, and that's Nietzsche and Foucault. And this is basically what they said. All truth claims are power plays. When people claim to have the truth, their real motive is to get power over others and control their behavior. Now, you may think that I'm going to stand here today and disagree, but I'm not. Because on numerous occasions, Jesus said the exact same thing. Just consider the Pharisees. They were obsessed with God's truth, and they had very clear convictions on who was aligned with that truth and who wasn't. And time and time again, Jesus would tell them that all they really cared about was controlling people and maintaining their power. I mean, why do you think they stoned Stephen? It's because the truth he preached was a threat to their power. And so I have to say, I never thought in a million years I would say this in a sermon, but I think Nietzsche has a point. For it is just my experience that the people most outspoken, and pushy about what is true, are often the most emotionally violent and coercive. Now, having said that, I am fully aware I've created a bit of a problem for myself, saying that we should be suspicious of people very pushy about the truth. And yet, today's gospel doesn't really permit us to walk the way of relativism, Because today Jesus speaks those words, I am the way, I am the life, I am the truth. And so today, here's what I'd have us consider. That there is perhaps no greater power play than to go around telling everyone else that their idea of truth is a power play. Because here's the thing, the problem with Nietzsche and Foucault is that They went around popping everyone else's balloon, but they never bothered to pop their own. For there is something very obvious that they both failed to see. We all make truth claims. We all hold deep beliefs about who we are and the reason we exist. And there are no exceptions to that rule. And so it just can't be... That the belief in truth itself is what kills freedom. No, what kills or makes alive is always what's in the truth we claim and embody. To put it a little bit differently, we are all fundamentalists. That's just a given. The only question is this. What is our fundamental? What fundamental, what truth is at the center of our life, shaping how we live, dictating what we feel, and driving how we treat other people. For I know I certainly believe in truth with a capital T, and I know that there is a reason we exist. And John actually begins his gospel by giving us that reason. In the beginning was the Word, or the Logos in Greek, and the Logos was God, and the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Now, this Greek word Logos, it's where we get the word logic. In other words, John begins his gospel in verse 1 by telling us that there is a reason we exist, a logic behind our life. A truth with a capital T that each one of us was made for. But then he makes this wonderful twist by saying something different and surprising, and something that would have no doubt been shocking to those who first heard this gospel proclaimed namely, that absolute truth isn't a philosophy or a principle. ...or an abstraction, it's not even a creed or a set of commandments... ...but rather that it is a person. A person who embodied the fullness of God himself and yet was still fully human... ...and a person whose commitment to truth led not to someone else's death... ...but rather to his own. And so to return to our question... How is it that we come to live this life with Jesus' heart, forgiving, loving, and absorbing the pain others inflict on us instead of inflicting it back? And here's why I began this sermon with the Amish. It's because what became very apparent in October of 2006 is that the deepest truth they held in their hearts was a story of a man that embodied the fullness of God and yet still chose to empty himself and die for his enemies rather than punishing them. The deepest truth they held in their hearts was that they could have confidence that those little girls' lives would go on after death because Jesus was preparing a place for each one of them. And above all, the truth they held in their hearts was that what made them successful or unsuccessful people had nothing to do with power or status or money, but with how well their lives pointed the world to Jesus. That was the truth they lived for, the truth that set them free. Can the same be said of us? And if not, can we rest in the truth that God is not finished with us yet, and that we're all a work in progress, and that in time, the truth will come to set us free? I want to share a quote with you from the late Henry Noun. He writes, in our world of loneliness and despair, there is an enormous need for men and women who know the heart of God, a heart that forgives that cares, that reaches out and wants to heal. In that heart, there is no suspicion, no resentment, and not even a tinge of hatred. It is a heart that wants only to give love and receive love in response. And so let me end my sermon today by saying this. For me to be a Christian and to be Ruthlessly committed to the truth is to believe that this heart, that God's heart is the deepest logic behind this universe and the deepest logic behind our lives. And that this same heart was made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. On the part of God, it was a powerless play. And in this world of loneliness and despair, There is an enormous need for men and women who know the heart of God. The Yamish knew God's heart. Stephen knew God's heart. The question is, do we? Because I would submit that the heart of liberty is not to define our own concept of existence. The heart of liberty is to know the reason for our existence. And as we're told in Scripture, in the beginning was the reason. And the reason was God, and the reason was with God, and the reason became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Amen.